uh, try to have testimonies. Uh, we want to have everyone in our body starting to share um, so that we could uh, so that we can hear a little more about what the Lord is doing. And, and always just keep in mind that our testimonies, our lives are little vignettes of, of the gospel. I mean, all, we, all we're doing is reminding people of the gospel, this whole reality of creation, fall, recreation. Uh, that, that happens in our life. And so we're little, we're little gospels running around here. Uh, so, right, or we're supposed to be. So now that's the, that's the challenge. That's what sanctification is about, and that's what uh, bringing God glory is all about. With that said, so thank you, sis, and uh, just, get, just to learn a little more about on one another. Uh, what we're going to do now, we're going to spend some time just have some training in the scriptures. And so uh, if you need a Bible right now, we are in uh, John chapter 21. Y'all, we did our first full book together. John, the book of John. Praise the Lord. Um, well, we ain't done yet. We got today. And y'all know I, can, I started talking. It might be another two weeks. So, no. no but, Rich, you laughed a little too hard there, brother. But, um, so we're going to go to John chapter 21. If you need a Bible, the Bibles are in the back. Please, um, there's people who are passing out Bibles right now. Uh, you're going to need one. There's going to be, the words are going to be on the screen as well, but we would love for you to have uh, your own Bible. And we can even uh, help you with that process so you can start writing in it and, and like, scribbling and doing your thing in it. Um, I'm really excited about uh, just talking about uh, John chapter 21. What we're going to do, let me give a few ground rules first. Uh, if you're new here, this is an environment where we, we try to say, look, if you have questions, please raise your hand. Um, so, so we're trying to be a free risk. Uh, just, you know, we want, to, we want people to learn more about God. So this is not about just me and my oration. This is really about saying, like, what is the Lord saying? And how does it apply to my life? And what is it like for me to um, bring honor to the Lord? So questions are cool. Just try to make sure that it can, it can maximize God's glory and uh, that people can um, be encouraged in their faith. If you need pins, uh, please raise your hand. We'll hook you up. But give us our pins back because we spend a lot of dough on pins. I mean, cats leaving here with 10, 15, I don't know what's up, but um, so, so please uh, give the pens back, but we would love for you to have a pen, and if you need paper, if you just flip your program on the back, uh, there should be uh, room for you to write your notes. Uh, this is so cool. Is that, is that Sterling? Hey, sis. What's up, girl? Okay. So, um, so let's jump right into it. If you have everything, we're going to go to John. Uh, one other ground rule is uh, this is how we're going to do it today, family. Uh, we have all kind of different methodologies of how we approach the scriptures um, as we're um, trying to see what the Lord has said. Today, there's, there's probably two, two huge main points in the chapter, okay? So what we're going to do, we're going to walk through the chapter. Uh, we're going to have some observations, do a little observation here and there. And then we're going to have probably a couple pauses for the few, for the few points. Uh, I said it to say that we're going to just, I want us to, I want us to just enjoy the narrative, Okay, I want us to see, just to see what's going on, enjoy the narrative, narrative meaning just, uh, just the story of God, understanding what's happening here, and, and keep in mind that we're, uh, we're post-resurrection, uh, which uh, has a meaning in itself. Okay, with that said, let me pray for us, and we're going to jump right into the text. Okay, family? Dear Jesus, we, we thank you so much uh, that you allow us uh, to be a part of your story, uh, and for those who know you, uh, to be a part of your story uh, for us in a great way. And we pray for those who don't know you, um, whether from uh, intentionality or just apathy, we pray that you would open hearts today, Jesus, and that people would see their destiny uh, in bringing you worship and praise. And we ask, Holy Spirit, you will speak through me and through any others who have questions or comments, that we would bring you honor and glory, we would enjoy the gospel together. Uh, that we would truly be a family. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So you can turn to John chapter 21, family. All right, so we start post-resurrection, and we have, uh, it says in the scriptures here, afterward, uh, Jesus appeared again to his, to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, which is actually uh, the same sea as the Sea of Galilee, by the way. Uh, and I think that's, uh, you'll see him mention uh, Tiberias earlier in John. Uh, so he's, it's the Sea of, uh, of Galilee. And it happened this way. I love he says it happened this way. I love the, the, how specific uh, the author wants to be. And he wants to really encourage us. Like, look, man, I'm telling y'all. Like, here's what jumped off. And this, I remember, it was just like this. Like, it was this dude. You ever told a story like that, right? It was this guy. I remember, it was this guy. It was this guy. And this would happen. Uh, so still keep in mind, I always, I always want to force us and force myself as you're reading the scriptures. Uh, a lot of times what we do with any other book in history, we don't give the same, uh, we don't give the same courtesy to the scriptures. We treat the, every other book in history like a book. And we look at it from a perspective of genre and understanding that people are writing with feelings and that people have journeys and they go to home and they sleep and they eat and they get in arguments and all this stuff. And we know that, that books come from people who do life. And then we look at the Bible and we just think it just went boom, you know. And it was, no emo- and it was like just this thing that came and we almost can read the narrative and we can forget that these are people who have personalities and humor and they're sad sometimes and, and happy sometimes. And they did everything we did. This is a book in history, family. That's what's so amazing is that someone like you and me wrote the scriptures inspired by Jesus. That blows me away. Can you imagine? That'd be kind of cool in heaven knowing I, I actually did the paragraph three, dog. That was me. But um, so he says, uh, it happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. And he um, says, I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And then they said, uh, we'll go with you. Okay? So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Um, let me pause there. So they caught, they caught nothing. This, this, this passage is usually taught in the way of, of the following. Man, you know, the disciples are, are, are kind of like bummed out because of the death of Christ. Um, and, and, you know, they didn't know what else to do. And so what was, what was Peter's job? You know, Peter's job was a fish, right? And so um, he did what he knew to do. So Peter, sadly... Just they, they fell back into their old habits. You know, we had a good run while we had while it lasted, Jesus. We, 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 we fought the fight of faith. We were with you, and then we kind of bumbled around, and then you died. Um, and maybe all this was for nothing, so I guess I'll go back to being a fisherman. I guess I'll go fishing. How do we know that's wrong from the text? Do you, does anybody agree with that? Don't, we ain't going like, to laugh or anything. It's cool. I used to agree with that. I've heard it taught, and I was amen, and actually got blessed, you know. I mean, I was like, I left, I was encouraged in Christ. You can be encouraged by a bunch of crap, too, you know that, right? Thank you. So, so there's other reasons, but the main one is, they already saw Jesus, okay? So they already saw the risen Lord, and, 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 and Eric so eloquently showed us last week it said that he did a lot of miracles, and there was a lot, I mean, there was a lot of stuff going on during, that, during the discussion time. So, 
So I, I know there's something going on here, but I know it's not this sense of defeat because now they understand that Jesus has triumphed. Okay, family? So if you ever hear that, you go, no, there's something wrong there because the scriptures are clear that they had already seen Jesus. So it can't be these really sad guys just doing um, what they've always done. Uh, so there must be another reason why he's talking about fishing. Okay? So I'm just doing deduction here. When you're reading the scriptures, you're going, huh, so that can't be it. So why? Why is he talking about fishing? Let's continue on. Verse 4. Uh, my Bible's so old, I got verse 4. I'll scratch it out here. I don't even know where it is. Um, so Simon people told him, and they said, uh, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. Uh, but, but that night, they caught nothing. It says, early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. Uh, last, we talked about this reality that we're going to see throughout the, throughout the text here. I proposed to you that they didn't realize it was Jesus because he was like 100 yards away or so, uh, but we're going to even see um, even more reason for that in a moment. Verse 5, he called out to them, just being Jesus, friends, haven't you any fish? Um, and they say, no. No, they answered. He said, uh, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Uh, when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. You see that? It continues on. It says, uh, then the disciples whom Jesus loved said, Peter, it is the Lord. Let me, start, let me stop right there. So I want to propose to you a couple of things. First, when you look at this fish narrative, you're wondering, why is he talking about fish? What is so important about fish? Uh, we see that at night, they try to cast a net and nothing happened. And me not being a fisherman, I thought, well, it's because it was kind of being stupid. You can't cast and fit the net at night. But actually, if you actually know about fish, I don't. But as I read, I guess they did the right thing. When you want to catch big fish, you actually cast a net at night. Okay? So what's very interesting about the story is that Jesus was actually doing the wrong thing they were doing the right thing, but they didn't catch fish when they were doing it in their own strength. But when they had Jesus running the show, they caught more fish than they could even handle, which is very interesting. And he went against the laws of nature, right? And notice something here. It says here, I love this part. In verse 7, I'll miss that. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved, Peter, said to, uh, said to Peter, which is John, said to Peter, it is the Lord. See, sometimes we, can, we don't even see this as a miracle. But this is a miracle, family. Uh, we don't see it as a miracle because you got the net and, you know, you throw, you throw the net in the water and sometimes you catch fish and sometimes you don't. But do you see what Jesus did? He made it really clear. First he said, look, have y'all caught any fish? He knew the answer. He was playing them. You know, no. Okay, well, throw it on the other side of the net. Now, if it wasn't a miracle, then that means Jesus could have been wrong too. They could have thrown it on the other side of the net and just had a bad day and not catch any fish. But let me just, just a side note, and this, don't, get, don't miss this, for the character of God, and this is not even the main point. Notice whenever Jesus talks, how about I say it the other way? God never tries. Hear me, family. God never tries. God doesn't go, well, maybe if, or should we, uh, or maybe if, or can you probably, there's none of that with God. Look at, when you read the Gospels, everything that the Lord says is always definitive. Why? Because God doesn't ever try to do something. He either does it, or he doesn't, or he does. It's that simple with the Lord. And so when God, when Jesus said, throw the net on the other side of the boat, do you think for one second there wasn't going to be fish? 
And that's just character. That's just, that's just understanding that's the Lord we serve. That you serve a king. If you are a child of God, you serve a Lord who loves you, who's good, and who never tries to do anything. If he wants to heal someone, it happens. If he wants you to have a job, it happens. If he wants you to go somewhere, it'll happen. That your destiny is totally in lock with the king when you're his. That no one can force his hand and make something happen to you or to your loved ones without his hand upon it. And that's why with pain and broken hearts, we can still cry when there's situations in our life. And we can go, Lord, you know, and no one forced your hand. That's just, that's just God's character, another incommunicable attribute. He's totally um, omnipotent, just all-powerful. Um, but that's not even the main point. Let's go to the main point. The main point is, why does he talk about these fish? We're going to read a little more, and then we'll, we'll figure it out. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, we're in the middle of verse 7, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about 100 yards, and when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals uh, there with fish on it and some bread. I love this. Again, this is, this is see the narrative. So they're fishing, and I, and I, I propose to you, uh, they're kind of fishing because, you know, I, I propose they don't really get what their mission is right now. They're kind of like, like kind of, can you imagine? Jesus, this is the third, probably the third time he's appeared to them, okay? Now remember, he's a resurrected body, and we're going to see that again and again. So that means they, they kind of know who he is, but they're kind of like, man, you're kind of looking different, bruh. You know, I thought when you was in the tomb for three days, there'd be a couple of worms on your shoulder or something, you know, and he's glorified, right? He's like looking awesome, right? So we're going to see this in a moment, and he's dialoguing with them. He's probably, you know, we don't get the understanding that we think we hear all the conversation when we got the Bible. We don't know what they talked about. But this was Jesus. I'm sure it was about kingdom. I'm sure it was about mission. So, so they, they've been hanging with Jesus, and they're sitting here knowing, like, Jesus is alive. We saw last week, they ran to the tomb, saw it was empty. They hung out with Jesus. This is the man you had given your life to for three years, and you didn't even really get the gospel. And then finally he dies, and you think, oh, my goodness, I not only denied him, all y'all ran. He died. All this is for nothing. And then he shows up and says, I'm the king of the universe. Doesn't that kind of change your life? Doesn't that kind of do something to you? Don't you go, are you kidding me? This was real? I kind of thought it was with the whole, you know, the, the, the wine and the water to wine and seeing Lazarus rise from the dead. But I was still iffy. And I really struggled when you died. But oh my goodness. Hope has won. The resurrection. What he does is he births hopes. He brings in this new dawn. And you're like, oh my goodness. So they got to think through all this stuff while they're walking around trying to do life. You ever try to keep a really good secret? They don't even know what to do. So I propose to you that they have all this information. They're happy and they're elated, but they still don't even know what to do. They're still kind of just preparing. And I propose that they're fishing. I propose to be on mission. That they're fishing because they need to eat. Nothing sexy. I propose they're fishing because they know Jesus is risen from the dead. Everything has changed. We still got to eat and be equipped to be on mission. Now see, I know that doesn't, that doesn't preach well. No one gets around and runs around the stage four times. Right? 
But can we get away from that and try to understand what the truth of the Bible is? I propose to you, it's nothing sexy. Jesus is telling you a story because he's trying to show you this all happened in history. That these cats were fishermen, and you know what? He showed up, he showed up again and said, hey, what y'all doing? Ah, y'all can't catch no fish. Well, I'm going to do this miraculous sign. But there's even a bigger reason. So I'm just getting to the point of why that other story is kind of bogus. And probably what's happening here initially is they're fishing because they need to eat, because they need to take care of themselves, and because the theology of work is true. God has called us to work, right? So don't think, well, I'm, a, I'm a Christian now so I can hang out. I don't know why I said that, but it's true. Um, so he said, so, so, but look at the bigger issue. Here's the main point. Oh, you see the excitement. I love Peter jumps out of the boat. It's crazy. Jesus said to them, bring some fish uh, that you have caught. Complete this meal. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish. Don't miss this. 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn, family. Okay? Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Don't miss that. See, uh, you know, I always, get, I always make fun. I need to quit making fun of Left Behind and, you know, the folded T-shirt with the guy disappearing and stuff. But I'm trying to show you guys. Do you see this? It says, they knew it was the Lord. It said, so they didn't say, who are you? But at the same time, it says, none of them dared to ask him who you are, even though they knew it was the Lord. Why would you say that unless, like, you knew it was the Lord, but it quite, not, it quite didn't look like he used to look. Right? If, if Nate dies, and then he comes back looking like Nate, we're not going to sit around going, well, no one asked who he was. I kind of just knew it was the Lord. Does that make sense? I don't know if that makes sense. Or, or, if, or, even, or, if he, or he shows himself two or three times. There was something about the reality that his body was bodily. He wasn't just an apparition. He wasn't a ghost. Bodily and glorified bodily. The reason why I I want to harp on that just, just, just for 10 seconds is because whatever Jesus does, he's the first fruits of what's going to happen to us, family. That's what the scriptures tell us. And that's the beauty of the resurrected body is that we are also going to be glorified just like him. And so the reason why that's cool is because Jesus doesn't even just leave that for himself. He says, you get to partake of this one day, that we also will be glorified. We will have a glorified body that comes from the seed of the old. So they say, um, we didn't ask, we didn't know who he was. We, we knew who he was, and uh, he took bread, gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. Verse 14, this was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. So, what in the world, why in the world are we looking at John 21? How can this be the end of the Gospel of John? What is he saying here? Two main points, family. The first main point is clear as day. Why does he tell you that they go out to fish, that they couldn't find fish on their own, doing it the right way, and then Jesus comes in and he doesn't have to look at the rule book, he doesn't need the manual, he says, I'm God, everything's operate from me, so I'm going to tell you to do something and it's going to happen, so if you keep listening to me, you're going to be okay. And then why is the product fish to the point where they can't even carry them in? But yet, is that heavy, and yet the net doesn't even break? Why? Because Jesus is trying to tell them about their new vocation. Point one, that guess what? The new dawn is happening. Their new vocation is to be fishers of men. We see that spoken clearly in Matthew chapter 4. 
I think it's also in Mark, the Gospel of Mark, this reality that God has said, I'm going to make you fishers of man. I'm going to make you fishers of man. Well, guess what? The death and resurrection happened. This new dawn has occurred. What I said I'm going to do, I have done. Guess who you are? Fishers of men. That's the new call. That's the new vocation. Don't get it twisted, family. This is where we can get messed up. There is a difference between occupation and vocation. And man, do we get this messed up in America. Occupation, look at this, check out vocation, comes from the word calling, vocation does, okay? This, 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 this is pause and get this, okay, family? It suggests some grand purpose in your life. I propose that the Bible teaches every person has the same vocation. Every person, whether they, no, no, hear, hear me there, every person, whether they know it or not, has the same vocation. The vocation, your purpose, the reason why we are created, and we all say this, but what does that mean, is to bring honor and attention to God, to bring glory to the king of the universe. That's why we have been created. And I always tell people, the cool thing about being human, other than any other creation, you know, the way a rock glorifies a rock is it's just a rock. It just lays where it is, and it's a rock. The way the moon is a moon, it's it's moon. It's up there, and it's being a moon, because God has created to be the moon in that way. The beauty of creation as humans is that the way he's created us to bring him glory is he said, I've given you intelligent volition. And, the way you, and we're the only creatures that can either choose to bring him glory or not. So the vocation is that you have been created to be on destiny for your king. But he said, I've done this thing so that you cannot do that. And you can totally miss the purpose of why you're being human. Why are you human? And that's to bring honor to God. Now, occupation has the same root word as occupy, means to take up space. Family, now this is kind of messy, and I almost wish somebody else could teach this, because I am a minister, so my vocation is my occupation, and it's kind of messy, right? So I can easier said than done, right? But, but please understand, whatever you do in life, that is not your calling, See, we don't like to hear that. Your occupation, your job, is not your vocation. It is your occupation. Now, don't make a messy. That doesn't mean it's, a, it's not a work. Again, God created us to work. Work, work was not part of the fall. It was part of creation. But we worked. We worked not so that it became the purpose of life. We worked so we would be freed up to do the purpose of life. Do you get it, family? Hold me accountable too. Hold me accountable too, okay? So, so now, if that, so if that's the reality, well, guess what's happening here? Let me push back a little bit. So we look at the narrative. We see this whole fish thing. We see God says, I've created you with this purpose. What is this purpose? It seems one of the main ways we bring honor and glory to God. If that's, so God says, the way you bring me, I want you to bring me honor and glory. That's the vocation, right? That's the purpose. Well, one of the main ways we do that is in creation. God creates us, and he says, being filled with the Holy Spirit, walking with God, loving God, God has called you and me to take care of his place, the world. Do you hear me? To run his world. But not just to run his world as autonomous humans, but to run his world the way God would run it. You got me? So, so God creates us, right? And he puts us in the world and he makes us stewards. 
all that really means, and that's what the kingdom, when we talk about kingdom of God, when you hear that in the Bible, kingdom of God has come, the kingdom of God is near, people try to, you know, make a kingdom seem all sexy. All kingdom means is God's rule, God's ruling way. And so when we talk about kingdom of God expanding, we're saying, in a, in a very layman's way, we're saying, what would this look like if God was running it? Do you hear me? What would this look like if God was running things? That's God's rule expanding. Do you get it? God's ruling away. And I saw this practically. I just want to, and I hope I don't get emotional. Man, me and my boy Hal was driving down the street. I'm going to Mac Group Tuesday. We go down Cadillac. And we're going to um, our Mac Group, which made us look like not as good Christians because we're going to eat. Right? We're going just to hang out at a cool restaurant. And then we see these nuts, right? Eric and, and his whole crew, all the crew in their Mac Group. Um, we, see, and we see Harvey and Bucket. And we're, and, we're, and we're on the corner of Mac, y'all. What's the, what's the, what's the cross street? Mac and, I mean, we're on, we're on Charlevoix and Cadillac, all right? Burned down houses, the whole nine. And boom, right there is a garden that they planted, okay? They got a garden. Um, they put this little Cadillac garden sign up, beautiful garden. Um, and guess what, man? I thought I was looking at a momentum outreach. It was so many people in this garden enjoying the Sorry. There was all these African Americans and white folks just loving each other and talking on on Cadillac and Charlevoix. And I I, I thought to myself, come on, Lord. And I thought to myself, I thought, this is what it means when you talk about God's kingdom expanding. This is how God would run the world. I was so proud. I was so happy. And just to see God's kingdom expanding and see people enjoying the Lord. And this is a place where, where I mean, you have, I mean, that you, you got to understand, this is Cadillac. And it's to see people enjoying being able to be free and enjoying these crops and enjoying each other, I thought, that's how God would run this place. He wouldn't have racial groups be segregated. He wouldn't have people scared to come out their house. And that's what recreation is all about. That's why we talk about the gospel is more than just us talking about the words of God. It's about people seeing this is how God would run this place. And that's what the fisher thing is all about, this fisherman thing, is what God is doing there is he's saying, so I've created you to show the world how I want you to show them this is how we run this place. That's how we bring honor and glory to God. How will he run this place? He would have his people, his family, loving him, right? And then as we're loving him, we would be doing his bidding. That's how God would run this place. That's how you bring glory to God, is when you're about him as you are seeking him. That's what it means. And so now he says, well, and that's why the fall is weird. That's why don't get caught up in the sin component where we think like sin is like God is just sitting around in heaven and you sin and he's like boom, boom, and he's beating you up when you sin. It's deeper than that, bigger picture than that. Don't you get it? God's creation project. This is his project. He's created us to bring him honor. How? Because we, so he wants to show the world this is how it would run this place. So we're these little image bearers when we show that. So what happens is when we sin, it's not that God is just mad because we did evil thing. It's also because we got his creation off track. 
Do you see me? It's a project that's bigger. And so he's like, no, 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 no. We don't do that because we're trying to show the world what it looks like when I run this town. Don't listen to Jay-Z, y'all. God runs this town. You hear me? And so, so what's happening here is he's saying, guess what? What happened on the resurrection when I rose from the dead, all of a sudden there's a new age that is done. The resurrection has brought new creation. The resurrection has brought a new person, you and me. And guess what the resurrection has done? It has given you a revelation of your vocation. Now notice I didn't say a new vocation. I said a revelation of your vocation. Your vocation has always been the same. It's just that a believer finally gets it. So he says, guess what? The reason why you call these fish is because, bro, don't forget what I told you in Matthew. You're going to be fishers of men, and it's about to happen right now. Let's go. He continues on. First point. He's saying, guys, all, that, all this narrative is about is to tell you is on new vocation. You're my fishers of men. Was this just for the disciples? Well, let's, let's keep reading. There's another big point, family. When they had finished eating, uh, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, son of John, uh, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. We're in verse 15. Jesus said, well, feed my lambs. Verse 16. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. I love in each time. Can I just say this real quick? You know that I love you. You know that I love you. I, I love how Peter, I love how broken he is. Because you know, when someone asks us a question like that, we start trying to show, like we start like, trying to show our merits. But I love, like, Peter, he ain't got no merits. Man, you just denied Jesus three times. What are you going to say? Remember that thing? I remember I bought you that ice cream that one day? What are you going to say? You denied him. So all he, can, all he appeals to is Jesus' knowledge. All he appeals to is the, is the sovereignty and, the, and, the, and just the, 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 all, the all-knowingness of God. You notice that? You know you know all things, God, because I definitely can't go to my track record. I love that. I love, I love that. I love he don't talk about his merits. Um, but hear this, family. So, so then he says, uh, he, Jesus said, well, feed my sheep. Uh, which gets me to the second big point, family. It seems like this, this chapter is a beautiful chapter because I love that he's not trying to summarize John. He's bringing in a new age. He's saying, you got the gospel. I've shared it, shared it, shared it, shared it, shared it. Guess what? The most important point in history, boom, death and resurrection has happened. Guess what? Let's go. We got a new age, a new dawn. I'm running things. You're running things with me. Let's do this. That's what John 21 is all about, about celebrating what God has done in creation and what he's doing in us and what he's about to do through creation, in creation, through us. Which gets me... Uh, kind of excited. Notice this. Notice that um, before I go into the, the next big piece of like what the point is here, notice that Jesus' issue. Notice Jesus' issue with Peter, which humbles me. Jesus' issue, the only thing Jesus wanted to know 
was not why did you do that or any kind of works, but hey, Pete, all I want you to know, the requirement of me reinstating you is that you love me. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? So we get caught up in all this stuff we're asking people to do. You know, and people think our, our issue is, is, is Matt groups and all this stuff. No, 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 no. All this is an opportunity for us to say, I love you. You're worthy of my life. You're worthy of my time. Nothing matters like you. I love this reinstatement passage. The second big picture issue. God is saying, I have done this to make you shepherds of the sheep. Now hear me. Fishers of men, our vocation, fishers of men, vocation, shepherd of sheep. Now we might go, whoa, I think he's just talking to Peter. Is Peter just a shepherd? Or am I, like, which one am I? Am I the one who's, am I the, you know, the shepherd? Or am I catching the fish? You know, I, I don't know. I think, I think it's scary to uh, go there because the Bible teaches that he has liberated the laity and that we're all God's royal priesthood and I get the whole leadership and there's leaders and all that. But it seems that he's talking to Peter specifically, but the call, the vocation of all of us, I think it has great biblical merit, and the vocation of all of us is that we are called to bring honor and glory to God by knowing him and loving him and then through that passion of being with God that we then, we then catch fish and we feed lambs. And I'm telling you, if that's true, then we need to make sure that we are assessing our lives. Is that the focus of your life? Is that your vocation? Is that your vocation? If I was, if I was saying, describe your life, would you describe that? But let me tell you, what I love about, I love about this chapter is in the midst of him providing a vocation, he provides such perspective. Look at the reinstatement, family, and then we're going to go home. Look at the reinstatement piece. So he has a guy, he takes a guy that denied him, okay? And I love what he does here. Look at the disciples' family. If you thinking, well, man, I get it, but, man, you don't know all the things I've done in my past, or I'm just not intelligent enough, I just don't know the Bible like that, or, you know... I'm, you know, I, I mean, I really just really, really, really bad sin or, man, I don't know, people just don't like me. And you start getting into all of your stuff. Look who he chooses, family. Praise him. Look who he chooses. We hear a lot. Me and my friend, me and my boy was having a discussion. Okay, so first, he chooses a bunch of kids, okay? Um, now, he thinks that the disciples are super, super, super young, uh, 13, 14. It seems that the Bible teaches that there's a gradation, in my, in my opinion, that maybe the oldest one started was like 18 or 19, the oldest disciple, all right? And that the rest of them were probably between 14 and on up. You hear me? Don't, don't get it twisted. See, we have our presupposition. We, we see those little pictures and stuff, and we think Peter sort of had not a great beard, but a really big beard, right? But that seemed not to be the biblical precedent. These were kids. When he grabbed them, they were kids. They were 15, 16. 14. Only a couple of them was like 18. So he grabs a couple, he grabs a bunch of kids, okay? And, and, and there's many reasons why he does that. And then he doesn't grab the really cool kids, right? Because, because we, we were talking about this, because you had, you had all kind of teachers, 
And, and people, especially in the socialite day, because, you know, um, because of Alexander the Great, the whole world had been, had been Hellenized, okay? And so you felt worth when you were, like, feeling like, I'm with a good teacher. I'm a socialite. I'm learning stuff. So people had all these different teachers. They had no teacher, which meant they were one of them cats where when you were, when you were picking, picking, like doing pickup for football, they weren't picked. And we see this in Acts. Remember what they say in Acts? They say, look at the power of these guys. They are unschooled, untrained men. But they've been with Jesus. Remember that? How are these guys turning the world upside down? They're a bunch of suckers. That's what they're saying. So you got these kids who are like the, the, the bummy kids, right, who, who don't have the, 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 the social prowess, right? and they're super rambunctious that we see all throughout the gospel. They pick does to change the whole world. Don't you ever tell me you can't be used by God when you see what he did. He wants, he wants to use all of us to shame the world and say, it's not about my intellect. It's not about the degrees we have. It's not about how nice you are to people and you're in your interpersonal skills. It is about your passion to yield to Jesus. And then God will use you and he will shame the world. I guarantee you. And I see it here, because I see you guys fighting the fight of faith. And I think we have the most amazing body I've ever experienced in my life. It reminds me of an example. When I was um, a TA in graduate school with Dr. Coleman, who's like the most, one of the most prolific men I've ever met. He's written books, millions and millions of copies, all that stuff. And I was a teacher assistant. And he, would, he would allow me to travel with him all over the world. And, and I love it. I love how... I love all the perks I would get when I was with him. I love that I was, I'm nobody. I'm nobody without Dr. Coleman. But as soon as I was with Dr. Coleman, man, we walk up in the airport, and they had these rooms for rich folks. Did y'all know about the rich folk room? You know what I'm saying, Jay? And you walk in there, and there's juice, dog, and there's nice couches, man, and there's, like, flat screens everywhere. You know what I'm talking about, Kathleen. She works at the airport. I'm t- they, everybody's like, she rich? She rich? No. She's working at the airport, y'all. And we go in here, and I mean, I remember I'd be scared to use the bathroom. I, go out, I gotta go outside to go to the bathroom. I wanna remember, hey, I'm with Dr. Coleman now. You better let me back in here. So I mean, I bring him, oh, come on, man. Come on, I need my old, old, old white dude to come over here. I'm with Dr. Coleman. I'm about to go to the bathroom, but remember, go to the bathroom. Come back in this place. Unbelievable, man. Food everywhere. You know. I say that to say the issue of authority is a main theme in the scripture. Don't you ever forget this, family. And I pray you hold me accountable. Never forget this. Authority is everything. And that's what Jesus is doing here right now. He's not giving him a pep talk. He is transferring authority. He is saying, I'm the king of the universe. I'm running everything. But guess what I'm about to do? I'm about to go. But guess what? I'm not just giving you a pep talk. I'm telling you that you are with me. Don't worry about who you are. Always remember this. It's not about who you are. It is about who you are with. I was nothing without Dr. Coleman. But as soon as I was with him, I had notoriety. People respected me. They gave me food. I'm in Chile. I'm eating these big old fat nasty steaks. Why? Why? Who are you again? Oh, you with Dr. Coleman. Let me treat. 
Because of who I was with, family, we forget that we are with Jesus. And what he said to them is, when you're not with me, you can't catch Jack. But when you're with me, you can catch so much that you won't be able to bring the net in. That's why he's showing you that example. Nothing sexy. I'm just trying to tell you who you are with. Jesus. That's his whole point, family. His whole point is that I'm reinstating you, but don't get it twisted. It's not about you not going to do something. It's about you holding on to me and letting me shock the world by using you. Our vocation, family, is real simple. He said, now you have a new task. You have been reborn, and now you have a new vocation. Do you understand me? He's saying, your old life is gone. If you love Jesus, he says, and that's why this is crazy. He says, it's gone. But now, you are fishers of men, and you are shepherd of sheep. New beginning, new ruler, we're new agents, family. The question now is, what do we do with that? I'll close with this. He says, I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. I love this. But when you were old, you would stretch out your hands and someone else would dress you and lead where you, were, um, where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Look at that. Look what he does. Two things here. He gives him this mandate. And then he says, look, but guess what? Your road is of joy, but yes, you're going to die like me. This whole reality of arm stretch uh, in the early centuries was about the crucifixion. And let me tell you, Peter knew. You know how we know Peter knew? Look what Peter says. Peter turned and saw that disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. Uh, this was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, well, what about him? I'm the only one got to go out like that? You know what I'm saying? See, real people. Y'all know that would have been you too. I'd have been like that. Like, okay, oh, that's cool, Lord. So, like, crucifixion? Like, is it going, like, how, how, many, how long am I going to be on the cross? You know what I'm saying? Like, trying to, you know what I'm saying? Come on now. Somebody better act like they was a sinner and saved by grace. So, so Peter definitely is, like, tripping. All right? And I love, I love, now don't, don't miss what he said there. He gives him this mandate. He tells him, hey, I'm going to tell you right now. You are going to retell my story fully, but guess what? He says, follow me. Do you see at the end of that? He says, follow me. Let's go. He says this, but then Jesus answered, If you want him to remain alive until I, if I, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is it to you? You must follow me. I love that part. He just simply says that. Let me tell you something. It ain't none of your business what I do with other people. And we got to get this. Okay? Because we want to, we, our holiness and our pursuit and passion of Jesus is so much based upon what other people are doing. And we're going, okay, Lord, I'll be, pa- I'll be sold out if they will too. I'll be I'll just show reckless abandon for you if everybody else will. But if everybody else is going to grab hold into materialism and have Jesus and their other gods too, why can't I? And Jesus is saying to me and to you, Nick, and to you, Lord, and to every one of us, he's saying it to you, Gretchen, to all of us, he's saying, don't worry about what they're doing. Follow me. Don't worry about what they're doing. I've shown you. He's shown you guys stuff, and you can't turn away from it. You and this, he's showing you stuff. Don't worry about what the world is doing. I got that. Again, I'm ruling and reigning is what Jesus said. You follow me. He ends by simply saying, 
Because of this, and now this, because of this, the rumor spread among the brothers that the disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? Continue on, please. This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Two things. Jesus simply says, I love how John does that. He clears up some mess because in the early centuries there was some mess that John wasn't going to die. So everybody's sort of looking at John weird at restaurants and stuff, wondering how long he was going to last. And so then he wrote and said, look, y'all, it ain't I'm not going to die. That was a mess up. So I love that too. He clears up stuff in scripture, again, showing you it's a book of history. Um, but here, I love this hyperbolic speech. He gives hyperbolic speech to say that we need to have humility as we read the scriptures. He's saying, I only gave you a little bit of what happened. So be stewards of that and don't make up stuff and add. Okay, in a nutshell. Here's what we need to deal with, guys. The point is this. Life's vocation is to love God, catch fish, tend sheep. For the sake of time, I really apologize for going over. We won't be able to, I don't know if we'll be able to do. Can, sweetheart, can you go down there and, and, and just tell them that I apologize? I would love to have a final song. I just want to pause there. I don't want to go to the last slide. Was there? We're going to do.